You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Hey, do you need a financial coach? If so, let's work together. As a coach, I help you get structure around your finances, visualize your ideal life, whatever that looks like for you, and more importantly, put together a strategy to help you get there. A lot of people hire me because they want to pay off debt faster and more efficiently and boost up their savings or increase their credit score, and those are all awesome goals. Financial coaching just helps you because I hold you accountable the entire way. Yeah, for better or worse, we're kind of like we're married. So if you want to take the podcast concepts that you're learning here and apply those to your life with my help, then you need to apply for coaching at WhitneyHanson.com slash customized dash coaching. Once again, that's WhitneyHanson.com slash customized dash coaching. I am so stoked to work with you and help you reach your financial goals. It's kind of become a tradition on this podcast at the end of the year, we always do some type of end of year series that will help you reflect, dream, and just ultimately get back on track and get excited for the new year. And this year is going to be a little bit different because it's finally time to revamp this series. Now, if you haven't listened to the previous series, it's really good. It truly is awesome. It was very popular and I highly recommend going back and re-listening to this. This is just going to be a newer version of some similar concepts, some new concepts, of course, because over the years, my education level has grown, as you can imagine. (laughs) So that's why we are doing a new, improved version of how to wrap the end of the year up perfectly. So this first series, this first episode, is really going to inspire you to get dreaming again. And in order to dream, we have to start and do a little life assessment, which is sometimes fun, sometimes not so fun. But ultimately, we have to get aware on what areas for improvement in our lives there are, and how we can start to very strategically create a plan that gets us excited. And more than anything, even if it doesn't get you all that excited, it betters you in some way. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So to do this, here's what you're going to need to get the most out of this episode. This is not going to be one that you can just like casually listen through. Treat this more like a workshop. Have a piece of paper or a notebook, grab your cup of coffee, and really go through these exercises in as much detail as you can so that you get the most out of this podcast episode. And I know they're fun to listen to, but really treat this like a workshop and I think it's going to help you so much. So with that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the first exercise that will help you start dreaming. 
We are starting with the perfect day exercise. So here's how this works. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about your perfect day. Now, not your perfect, random, extraordinary vacation day. I mean, that has a place for sure. But what I want you to think about is your average every single day. Close your eyes and think about that. These are where we live most of our lives. It's not in these big moments. It's not in the weddings. It's not in the birthdays and the anniversaries or the trips. It's not in the births. It's not in those moments. Those moments are important, but life is really lived in the everyday moments. So I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think that perfect day for you. Just an average day, normal Monday. What time do you wake up? What do you do first thing in the morning? What do you eat for breakfast? Do you even eat breakfast? What is your coffee sitch? Do you work out in the mornings? Do you not? Do you immediately start working? What's the environment? When you look out your window, what do you see? Who are you waking up next to? What do you do for work? All of these things matter so much. So I want you to journal and write in detail what your perfect day looks like. Once you do that, come back to this podcast. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be chilling. So make sure you come back to the show because here's what I find. When I do this exercise with most people, one of the things that really stands out most is that for most of us, we are actually really incredibly close to our perfect day. Like a couple small shifts and we would be there. Maybe it's just waking up a little bit extra early so that you can get your exercise in. Maybe it's doing a a little bit of yoga in the morning. Maybe it's having some extra time so you can make a really fancy coffee. Maybe it is starting your day later because you're actually more of a night owl and mornings kind of suck for you. When you think about your perfect day, I promise you, when you journal on this, you are a couple small decisions away from being there. Now, if that makes you nervous, I totally understand. But also, this is super exciting. What this tells us is that sometimes we glamorize or we make things seem like there's so much of a bigger deal in our heads. And then when we get to the mundane, again, where life is mostly lived, it's the mundane Monday through Friday, right? That's the parts where we start to diminish or wish away. And it's really sad because that is so much of our life. And so what I would encourage us to do is just start to create those little subtle shifts and go back through this exercise at least once a year because our life circumstances and it changes, you know, we're different people. Every single year we are slightly different people. Absolutely. Sometimes better, sometimes worse. That depends more on our habits and our daily routines. But ultimately we need to revisit this because a lot of times our priorities shift and our priorities change. And what was important to you last year is probably not as important to you when you think about the upcoming year, totally normal. But that's where I want us all to start is with that perfect day exercise. Now, now that we have that dreaming kind of fun, a little bit pie in the sky area, the next exercise that we need to go through is a life audit. Have you done one of these before? These are so fun to me and so stressful (laughs) in a lot of ways because this is almost holding up a mirror to us and we have to really look in that mirror and say, okay, here's what's going well, here's what's kind of sucking. And that is not always fun. But I find that there are 10 categories that we should really be thinking about when we're doing our life audit. So here's the different categories. 
Now, to be fair, you're going to find lots of different variations of these. These are just the categories that I find most of us gravitate towards most frequently. So the first category is romantic relationships. I want you to think through that category specifically. We'll talk about how to assess that in a minute, but romantic relationships is the first category. The next category we want to start thinking about is our family relationships. The third category is our friend relationships. The fourth is our health. And I grouping in this one, you can separate this if you feel the desire to, but I am grouping health as physical and mental well-being. Okay, for me, when I think of my health, I can't really separate either of those. I think to me, they just go so hand in hand that in my head, I group them together. The next category would be education, and I would group hobbies here, education and hobbies. The next category, financial knowledge. I think this is an important one. Again, this is a financial podcast. So of course, I think that your financial knowledge and consistently improving that is super, super critical. The other category that's very important is your personal growth. Now, this can be different things for different people. This could be something like maybe you have been dying to do a solo backpacking trip, but when you actually think about it, it scares the crap out of you, but you know it would be so good for your personal growth. Now, some people are screaming at the the podcast, they're like, Whitney, no, that's so dangerous. Listen, to each their own. I know plenty of people that solo backpack and absolutely love it. And I know plenty of people that taking a group camping trip would be really great for their personal growth. So definitely assess where you are. But that personal growth piece, I think, is so critical, too. The seventh category is your spiritual relationship. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean religion. It doesn't necessarily mean any of that stuff. It can just be as simple as how do you feel grounded in a spiritual sense? Maybe that's through meditation. Maybe that's through yoga. Maybe that's through appreciation of nature, like whatever the heck it might be, right? That's for you to determine, but that spiritual category is an important one to assess. Another one to assess would be your career. Of course, like we all work, we all have to pay the bills somehow. So hopefully you are enjoying what you do to pay the bills, or can at least find a higher level of purpose behind your career so that it doesn't feel as heavy. And the last category is your wealth. Now, when I say your wealth, what I really mean is your overall financial situation, not your financial knowledge, but how your finances are actually looking. So these are the categories I want you to assess. And I know it seems like a lot because I threw out a ton of categories. If you need some help with this, go to WhitneyHanson.com slash life audit, and you're going to get a PDF of all of these different categories and a little worksheet that will help you throughout this entire podcast episode. It's going to have a little bit of notes so you can remember what we're talking about here, but that's WhitneyHanson.com slash life audit. So let's go through and assess the first category. The scale that we're going to use is a really simple scale from one to five. One is very unsatisfied. Two is unsatisfied. Three is neither satisfied or unsatisfied. Four is satisfied and five is very satisfied. Pretty simple, right? Very unsatisfied to very satisfied. That's the scale that we're going to be working with. Now, some people are extra nerdy and they're like, but it's like a four and a half. That's that's great, right? Down four and a half. Like, don't be too crazy about this. This is just for you to assess how you're doing in each of these different categories. So the first category that we're going to assess together is our relationships. And this is our romantic relationship specifically. So when you think about your romantic relationship, how do you feel about that category? Are you a five? 
Are you a one? Are you a three? Does it not exist? (laughs) Are you satisfied with that or unsatisfied with that? There's so much that goes on here, but I want you to think as a whole, as a whole, how do you feel about your romantic relationship? Once you have that, we're going to move on to the next one. Scale from one to five, how do you feel about your family? So let's stop there for a sec because family means different things to different people. But I want you to think when you think about your immediate family, this can be immediate family. It can be kind of a adopted family. Like maybe it's a family that you've cultivated over time. Like that's totally appropriate too. But I want you to think about your family and really assess on a scale from one to five, how do you feel about that relationship? Is it great? Is it very satisfying? Is it very unsatisfying? Try to be specific. Now, you can be a little extra nerdy because sometimes when we group family, there's different relationships with different people. And so sometimes you can look at your family life as a whole and say, my relationship with this person is fantastic. I'm very satisfied. But every time we have Thanksgiving dinner together, there's one person that just is a pain in the butt. And that is very unsatisfying. So therefore, that one person could maybe be dragging down your overall family score. And that's not really fair either. So I think sometimes we have to look at the family situation as well and almost piecemeal it to say, how do I feel about specific relationships even within my own family? Hopefully that makes sense and help. hopefully that gives you a little bit more clarity because I know sometimes that can be a confusing thing to assess. Moving right along, scale from one to five, how do you feel about your friend circle? This is a good one. This one for the longest time for me was always a two. I was very, not very unsatisfied, but I was unsatisfied with it. And what I started to learn is that that was intentional. I actually was unsatisfied with my friends because I kind of purposely pushed a lot of people out of my life. And some of that was just not very nice. And some of that was intentional. But ultimately, I was unsatisfied because I didn't have the types of friends that I wanted. Now I can say I would probably rate maybe a four or five on that one. I have to think about that. But I'm pretty dang happy with the friendship circles that I have created because it was very intentional and it was very thoughtful in the people that I brought into my inner circle. And so I want you to think about that for yourself too. How do you feel about your friends? Okay, next category, your health, physical and mental. How do you feel about that category from a scale from one to five? Uh, Next category, education and hobbies. How do you feel about your personal level of education? Now, please do not misconstrue. Education does not mean formal education. I think you can gain just as much, if not more, from reading great books. I think you can take classes. I think you can do all kinds of interesting online courses. You can do mentorships or apprenticeships. There are so many ways to get education that I don't want you to think that when I say education, it always means formal education. Now it can, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think that's a really fantastic category as well. But I want you to think about your own level of education over the past year. Has it grown? Are you very satisfied with it? Are you very unsatisfied? Are you kind of neutral? Where do you lie with your personal education? And I would group hobbies in here too, because I do believe that hobbies do impact our education. And a lot of times with new hobbies, it requires us to learn new skills, which impacts our education. And so I personally like to group those together because to me, they seem so congruent. 
All right, the next category to assess is your financial knowledge. All right, think about this. Over the past year, have you increased your financial knowledge? Has it decreased? Has it stayed the same? This stuff matters so much because so often we think that even when we're not improving on a specific category, we're like, it hasn't gotten better, but it hasn't gotten worse. It just kind of stayed neutral. Neutral is stagnation. Stagnation is going backwards. If you kept that same stagnation for years, you are not going to be improving your life. You're actually starting to decrease the quality of your life in a lot of ways. And so stagnation is not necessarily a good thing, especially when it comes to our financial knowledge. Now, yes, podcasts like this are helpful for you to increase your financial knowledge, but ultimately, are you reading more financial books? Like, what are you doing there to increase your education level for your financial knowledge? I think this is so important to track as an individual category because it does impact so many things with, within our lives. All right, the next category is our personal growth. On a scale from one to five, how do you feel about your personal growth over the past year? Hopefully good, maybe bad, who knows? We'll talk about that in our next section. The next category to look into is your spiritual. How do you feel about your spiritual life? How do you feel about your career? And lastly, how do you feel about your wealth? your overall financial situation. How do you feel about that? One to five. Once you have this and you have these this information in front of you, what I want you to do is I want you to circle every category that you rated between one and three. Now, three seems like a pretty safe one because it's like, well, I'm not mad about it, but I'm not happy about it. To me, that's a really good indicator that that is probably not a priority in your life. And maybe we should revisit that, right? Like I think all of these categories at one time are not necessarily going to be a priority, but that doesn't mean that we should neglect all of these categories. Let's like put this to paper. I think we always hear this a lot with financial stuff. We tell people all the time, it's not success if you have a ton of money and you're doing really, really well in your career. And in that category, you're kicking butt. In your wealth category, you're kicking butt. But your health category, it sucks. You're not going to the gym. You are very unhealthy. You have not been working on your, your fitness. You're staying up all the time. Your sleep schedule's whack. Like That is not necessarily somebody that we would say is overall holistically successful. I mean, let's throw in relationships there too. What if this person has a ton of money and they're really great in their career, but their family kind of hates them? Is that success? I mean, that depends, right? Depends on the metric that that person views it from. What I can say for myself is that if that were the case, I would not view myself as being holistically successful. I would view myself as having gaps. And so that's what I want you to do next is I want you to find the gaps, Now, when I say find the gaps, what I want you to do, again, focus on those ones that are between one and three and ask yourself, what should you be doing in that category that you're currently not doing? So why do you think that some of those categories ranked one to three? Why were some of those categories four or five for you? Like the key to this is to have a no BS conversation and be as honest with yourself as possible. Naturally, what happens when we start to be critical with ourselves, especially, sometimes we will really dive into our excuses. We say a lot of things, we try to like let ourselves off the hook. There is a time for this. I think self kindness goes a long way, I think a lot of grace goes a long way. 
But in this circumstance, what I want you to do is be honest with yourself. Really look at it and start to really assess what was going on with your life that caused some of those categories to be one to three and some four to five. I don't have the answers for you, but I know you do because it is your life. So I want you to be as honest as you possibly can and really go through and find those gaps in what was going on with your life. The next thing that I want you to do is once you have all that information in front of you is I want you to pick just one. Yes, just one area that you want to improve upon. So when you think about the next year, what's one area that you could start to slowly improve? This is tough because naturally we want to make excuses for ourselves, but then we also want to fix all the categories at once. Like (laughs) we always do this, right? I can't be alone here. So when we're starting to think through how do we improve our lives, I want you to just choose one singular category. One category that when you think about your dream life, this is going to fit perfectly into and you know will start to make a lot of improvement. And here's how I want you to think about that area that you can improve upon. I saw this on Instagram. It was on Jesse Itzler's Instagram and I thought it was so good. It's called the rule of 100. Now this is a little hack that will help you become better than 95% of the world's population in a specific discipline. Listen, I don't know if that number is actually true. It sounded good to me when I saw this. I'm like, you know what? I do believe that that is probably an element of truth there. So while I have not fact-checked that exact number, that 95%, the concept I think will illustrate a lot for us. What this entails is if you were to spend 100 hours per year trying to be better in a specific discipline, maybe it's I want to work on my romantic relationship. Maybe that was a category that you ranked as like a two on, and you say, I want to be better in this category. What would that look like? 18 minutes per day. 18 minutes per day is all you need to really see drastic improvement. 18 minutes a day, if you repeat that over the course of a year, it's over 100 hours. I think it's like 109, but that basically gives you that 100 hours. And so what can you do in 18 minutes every single day to improve your romantic relationships? I'm going to let your mind take that whichever direction you want to go. But I think there's a lot of ways that you could definitely do this. So maybe it's when you get home, the first thing that you do is not be on your phone. It's to actually put your phones away, hold hands, give each other a hug and just say, hey, how was your day? And just talk for 18 minutes. Maybe it's going on a little walk for 18 minutes with just your partner. Again, technology put away. Maybe it is snuggling for 18 minutes every night. Like whatever, right? You can you can fill in the blanks with what you need for your relationship. But I do feel like 18 minutes a day can really move the needle in any of these categories. Think about it this way. What if one of your categories was you wanted to increase your financial knowledge? And so that's the category you want to work on. 18 minutes every single day. What if you read a personal finance book for 18 minutes a day? How many books would you get through? How much would you increase your financial knowledge? It matters a lot when you start to think about that rule of 100. So I think it's a really great thing to work towards. The other cool thing about this is a lot of people are like, 18 minutes sounds like a lot. Listen, 18 minutes of your day is 1.2% of your time in 24 hours. It's only 1.2% of your time. You can make time for this. 
it's worth it to start to improve some of your categories. And again, remember, like you get the choice on which category you're going to improve upon. So choose wisely. But I think that rule of 100 really helps when it comes to figuring out how to specifically improve is you can really break it down and say, okay, what can I do today that's only going to take less than 20 minutes? That's a really nice thing to do. And so I think that will help tremendously. Let's take this a step further and be a little extra nerdy. When you determine what it is specifically that you need to do in 18 minutes every day, I want you to go over to your Google Calendar and I want you to put that into your calendar. So you get notifications every single day that will remind you to do this activity, whatever the heck it might be. And it can vary, right? It doesn't have to be the same activity every day, but you can just put in time for to improve upon blank category. Do that as a repeating calendar for you and have that as something where you do get notifications on that. So you can't just gloss over it all that easily. I think that's a really great way to go because anything that goes to my calendar is immediately where my eyes go. If it's on my calendar, it's on my list. Like I will, I will make it work, but if it's not, I will forget about it and I will kind of like sweep it under the rug. <laughs> you know, listen, no one's perfect. I didn't say I was, it's just what I do. So put it on your calendar. Once we have this on our calendar, we're starting to figure out what area we can improve upon. The next thing that I want you to do is start doing a little bit more reflection. I want you to start reflecting outside of that perfect day scenario, but I want you to ask yourself, what is it that you want deep down? What is it that you have been wanting, you've been dreaming about, you maybe are triggered by? I think noticing your triggers is also very empowering when it comes to understanding what you actually want deep down. If you find that you're always so irritated by people that are talking about financial independence, maybe it's because you don't feel like it's possible for you. Deep down, you want financial independence too, but you don't feel like it's possible. So therefore, that is triggering to you because it's a reminder of something that you feel like you can't have. Of course, that's BS. You can have whatever the heck you want in life with certain constraints, of course. But it's one of those things where you have to be clear on what those triggers are and what you want deep down. I just find that studying my triggers or studying like what are the things that kind of irritate me or when do I start feeling a little bit jealous or envious, that's when I, I usually know that's something I really want. And so I think it's important to really analyze what it is that you want deep down and just really, again, be honest, put it on paper. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Like this is your time for you to reflect on what you want out of your life. Then we have to start to figure out how we're going to remove that distance between you and that dream that you want so deeply. Now, this is really kind of fun. I actually find this to be a very enjoyable part of dreaming because it's kind of that manifestation piece. You know that quote, you have to see it to believe it? I think it's kind of true, but I'm going to add something to that. You have to feel it to see it. You have to see it to believe it for you. I think that's the piece. You have to be able to feel that goal in your soul. Like You have to know exactly what it feels like because when you have already trained your brain to see that this is already something that you will have and it is possible for you. And that goes beyond just observation. It goes down to like the tangibles, I think. And I'll give you some examples of this so it's not so confusing. But I think that's where your brain starts to say, oh, hey, I see this. And you start to find more opportunities or people that can help you get those opportunities in your normal life. So let's go through some examples that are, 
I think, very easy and very tangible. Let's say you want a new car. You have this like dream car on your mind, and it's something that you consistently think about, but you have talked yourself out of it because you're like, you know what? It's not financially smart. I know I'm a money nerd. I shouldn't be talking about wanting a car. Like, ah, I just shouldn't do it. It's just not very smart. Dude, who cares? Like, if, if I would not buy a car personally, but you would, like, go get them, Tiger. It's your life, right? I'm not living it. But so many times we we talk ourselves out of what we actually want because we feel like it's not smart, it's not realistic, it's not possible for me sometimes. And so what I want you to do is let's say there is that car that you really want. Now use this very carefully because (laughs) it definitely works, it really does. I want you to go take that car and I want you to test drive the car that you want. Go test drive. I want you to pretend when you're test driving the car, yeah, you're going to have the salesperson probably in the seat next to you. Listen, ignore them, okay? I want you to pretend like you have this car. This car is already yours. It's got your name on the license plates and you're cruising around town in the car that you own. How does that feel? Roll the windows down, let that air hit you enjoy your ride. Like this is your time to really imagine what your life could be like with this car. Now, the same thing is true if you want a house, like maybe a car doesn't do it for you. I feel that I'm in the same stage, but a house maybe, right? So how do we start to remove that barrier? Like what if you live in like a studio apartment right now and you're dreaming of a 1600 square foot house that's modest, but yours. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's not even these like mega mansions. I think a lot of people don't even dream for that. I think sometimes it's just like, I just want a modest house that I have for myself that I can do whatever the heck I want with. So what you have to do is you have to start going to these open houses. You're going to become like an open house crasher. You're going to strategically go to open houses in areas of your, your city that you want to live in, or you think are just really fun. And you're going to go in these open houses and you're going to walk around and you're going to pretend like you live there. You're going to imagine what your life would be like if that was your house. Listen, cheesy, right? I get it. It is so cheesy, but it matters a lot because when you can feel it, you can see it. When you can see it, you believe it's possible for you. That's what we're doing. We're removing that distance between it's not possible to, oh, no, no, this is already my life. When we can do that, our brains start to get a little bit more excited and it becomes a lot more tangible. Now, the same thing for like a trip. Let's say there's a dream trip you've been thinking about for years. How do we make that feel a little bit different? We start to plan the trip. We create an itinerary. We watch YouTube videos till the cows come home. You're like saving everything on Pinterest and on Instagram because you are starting to plan this trip. You're also creating a budget for this trip. You know exactly how much it's going to cost. You know what restaurants you're going to go to. You know the food you're going to eat and you know the hikes you're going to go on because you have planned it so deeply and intimately that the only thing holding you back from that trip is just the financial piece. When the only thing holding you back is the financial piece, I promise you, you will make it work. You're going to make it work. It's going to become a priority because you already believe it's going to happen in your life. So the whole concept of your deep down desires or your dreams is to remove that distance between you and the goal in any possible way that you can. That's the key piece there. And I hope that this first episode 
spark some insights and ideas and really get you excited to start dreaming about your life again. Let me know if it did. I'd love to hear from you. Tag me on Instagram. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co. Let me know that you're listening in. I would love, love, love to see what your takeaways were from the first part of this end of year wrap up. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you next week for another episode of the Money Nerds podcast. Bye.